Hi, welcome. I'm Jennifer Stevens, and I am CEO of JHL. It's a consulting firm here in Austin, and we do lots of events and communications and public affairs work. And I'm here today to have a great discussion with my friend, Krista Scannell from Marquise. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, everyone is going virtual these days. People are now starting to talk about hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I were just chatting before we got started that this is here to stay. And um, so I want to I want to really dive into and help our audience understand what are the opportunities with virtual and what are the challenges mm -hmm. and how to really approach the decision, you know, of, of creating and producing a virtual event. So so thanks for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. We're excited to talk with you again. I know I'm excited about it. OK, so. Um, you guys are leading the way in virtual events for sure. And, you know, best practices are evolving, mm -hmm. uh, maybe even daily. Um, so I'd really love to know how is your team approaching, you know, being creative and mm -hmm. innovative in the virtual event space mm -hmm. while it's evolving so rapidly? Exactly. So when, um, this all happened, Marquis, we're a 60-year-old audiovisual and production company, um, very successful, and then um, have been working in virtual with some of our clients, doing virtual town halls, virtual product launches, but then when everything went virtual, we knew immediately we needed to look around and, and actually make an investment. So when um, it was a, um, a difficult decision, but I think it was one that, that meant that we were here and could lead the way. And so we made an investment um, in some software. We made a lot of investment in training. So when we had a few virtual experts on our team of uh, 200 plus uh, employee owners, we now have everyone's um, trying to get um, their their masters in virtual. And so we're being trained all the time. We do a lot with training, a lot with communication internally to prepare um, and, and stay abreast of all these changes, like you say. So uh, with that, we uh, went out and made this investment and, and really started getting people trained and then just started listening to our customers. What are your challenges? What are your fears? Uh, and then what do you need to accomplish? And um, how can we bring the technology uh, to those, uh, those aspects of this right now for you? And some, you know, some of our, our customers weren't ready. And they said, nope, we're just going to put, we're not going to do anything right now. But so many have bravely gone out there. JHL is one of them. We were with you early in April. Yeah. Um, bravely gone out there and said, nope, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and do this. And, and from them, we've learned a lot. Um, and we've learned these best practices. And again, we're out there all the time, not only working on behalf of our customers and learning with them and helping bring uh, new information to them, but we're out there watching what else is happening in the marketplace and trying to um, be ahead of it and keep the training going and be ready because yes, we are gonna transition to hybrid and that will be exciting. We're all excited to get back in a room together, but I think virtual and a piece of virtual is here to stay. And so what does that mean and how does that look like and how can customers afford it and what can they afford? Yeah. And so we talk about that a lot right now. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do want to talk about that. But mm -hmm. first things first, how do you advise a client when they're thinking about going virtual? Mm -hmm. What are the things they need to think about? What are those first steps and 
how do you kind of guide them sort of in the initial phases of that decision? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question because I want to encourage planners to reach out early to um, ev to a, a trusted partner or to, to if they've seen something and they liked it. So we've had uh, several events that have gone really well and, um, and, and prospective customers have reached out and said, I saw this, I liked what I saw, how did you do this? And I, and I say, reach out earlier. It's, it's, not, it's not gonna cost you any more money to have that conversation earlier. And let us walk you through what's possible and what isn't, and um, understand that we're gonna talk budget probably sooner than we normally would have because no one really understands what it costs. And from the technology, we're bringing a lot of technology to support this. And so we can kind of walk you through, this is um, an event and it looks like this and it, it runs like this and here's a sample of the work and that's in this kind of price range. And then if you start adding all these little customizations and I want everyone to be all together in this virtual room and watching this and, and I want everyone to have this particular experience, well that all has um, equipment, it has experienced technicians with it, so then the costs go up. So we talk, honestly, um, that's one thing that has been a big takeaway for me is I talk a lot more about what things cost um, right up front with people so that they're not really excited about what this virtual event could be for them and then realize they can't afford it. I think it's much fairer to talk about it and then really help them build their custom event um, with their budget in mind. And then I think everyone's happier at the end. They feel like they've gotten a great value and then they've met their, their needs as they've really defined them. Yeah, no, I think that makes good sense. And, you know, we talk a lot about internally managing client expectations mm -hmm. and um, it can be difficult because, you know, I, I like to think big and, and, and I want to encourage, you know, and, and spark that in our mm -hmm. clients and in their projects. But at the same time, you then have to land on what's reality. Mm -hmm. And so you want to think big and get creative, but then you've got to manage the expectation of, what, of what's real and what's not. And, mm -hmm. you know, a couple things that I've seen and, Again, we were just chatting a minute ago, and you know, you you talked about a two-lane superhighway, and I think that's true. And what I've seen with a lot of our clients, some of them, are, anyway, those that are embracing the idea of the virtual or the hybrid um, model now, you know, they're creating content for an event mm -hmm. that can live on. And mm -hmm. so, you know, from a managing expectation perspective, that would even be about managing their own expectation budget-wise. That this is a maybe mm -hmm. it's a budget item that can be spread across mm -hmm. multiple you know, yes. line items within an organization and not just at the event because mm -hmm. that content can be used social media and otherwise. Mm -hmm. But the other part of man about managing expectations that I think is difficult is I think people don't understand, okay, well, if I hire marquees, you know, they'll just do it all. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, really what, what I'm hearing from you is, you know, we're the technology solution. Marquees mm -hmm. is the technology solution. Um, but there's a lot of other things that need to be managed to make the technology solution mm -hmm. be the most impactful. So can, can you talk about managing expectations maybe in terms of we should talk about budget a little bit mm -hmm. uh, more, and, and I think your advice about start early is good, but talk about managing expectations also within just scope of work and the responsibility of the client mm -hmm. when they mm -hmm. come to you and kind of how you walk them through that. Yes, yeah. so um, I do. I really feel like, in, especially in, in this demanding climate, we have, Markies, we need to stay in our lane 
and our lane is the technology lane. And so we bring experienced technicians, technical directors, um, sound engineers, uh, lighting engineers, um, you know, uh, and, and all the, the software and the computers that are needed to get the event um, live and produced and broadcast and then recorded and delivered to you after the event. But what you, there really is that parallel lane, if you will, um, of the, the planner or the planning organization. And they have, to, they have to take the time that maybe they had spent on um, other, other deliverables, you know, of the venue um, specs and um, food and beverage and things like that. They have to reallocate that time and really think about their broadcast. And what are their attendees gonna see from the very beginning through the end and even beyond those post-event attendees? And so what are they gonna see? And is your message getting through? Is your mission getting through? Is your, are your objectives being met? And so that is that lane and that's where a company like JHL can really come in and, and take what they're learning across all their different um, clients and bring those best practices to making it effective and efficient and and right on on time with what's happening in the virtual market right now because it is changing it's changed a lot since we started in April together yep. um, on that with that first event and we're seeing the evolution of that and we're seeing these software companies really come and start to compete and it's going to continue to to change and be better it's going to be better for attendees and it's going to be better Better for organizations, they're going to be able to to run uh, better events. And if their goal is to make money, they're going to be able to make some more money um, because all of these um, platforms and companies like Marquis, we're all getting better at what we're doing on behalf of these of of all these customers. I saw recently. Um, speaking of evolution of technology, I saw recently that, for example, Pledgeling is now integrating mm -hmm. within the Zoom technology. Um, and and so now you've got a text to give platform integrating within, you know, the Zoom technology. And but you guys would use p potentially a Zoom technology mm -hmm. in an event that you're producing. Mm -hmm. is, is that right? Oh yeah. Yep. So that's that's the other thing too. Is I when we talk to people at the very beginning, planners at the beginning, we say, tell us tell us about your event. Give me four or five objectives that are really, really important, the must-haves. Yep. And then I said, and then we'll put the technology behind it. Now, we do have some customers, for sure, that cannot use particular platforms. They've had issues with, with Zoom or something like that. And so, again, that's where you need a technology company that has those other options. So we're not tied to one only. Um, we really look at it and say, okay, oh, this is how we can accomplish this. Or, hey, your budget... You want this, but your budget's here, but here's how we deliver something that's very similar that we think you'll be okay with. And, um, you know, we're just taking uh, uh, screenshots all the time and snippets of videos, and we're doing a lot with, you know, demos and see this and trying to give people the visual. And I think that's helping get them uh, customers more comfortable with making these, these tough decisions because um, they are or they're trying to visualize something that they just can't see yet. They see, yep. as they see a regular meeting that they attend all the time and they don't want their event to look like that. So we're trying to show them it's not gonna, it, it doesn't it have, have to look, to. it doesn't have to feel like that. It can right. feel more, better produced. It can feel like a true broadcast, but um, you have to put some thought into that um, from the planning side. You have to be able to script it. 
You have yeah. to you have to use pre-recorded content. What do you have um, in your catalog from your organization that you can bring into the broadcast and use in the broadcast? Or can you use this broadcast to create content that you can use later on? So you really have to look at these events in a in a broader way and look at the scripting in a broader way and um, maybe even program the show a little bit different than you would if you were in a live room. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well. You know, as you probably remember, when we did the event in April, um, you know, which we made that decision, and then we had the event 10 days later. So that was great, um, <laughs> since it worked. <laughs> but, um, but the day of that event was the day of the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. And so the intention had been to use, I guess, live stream, mm -hmm. and then, and then it crashed mm -hmm. with the draft. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll just say that there's, I have a lot of, you know, sort of Jenniferisms as my staff yeah. would call them. And one of them is don't step over a dollar to pick up a dime. Mm -hmm. And I was certainly glad that we had chosen Marquise as a partner mm -hmm. when our platform crashed. <laughs> Not, you know, there was nothing we mm -hmm. had done to cause it. Right. Um, and we were supposed to start the event in 45 minutes. Yeah. And so because we had a smart, strong technology partner who understood our goals, who understood our audiences, mm -hmm. who understood what we were trying to do, um, raising money, amplifying the reach of the mission, mm -hmm. all of these things, uh, your team and through their leadership, we were able to very quickly pivot. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of what you're saying about people not understanding kind of what's behind it, you know, they know they see a Zoom and they don't want that or mm -hmm. whatever, but they don't know what else they do want or need. Um, I can just say, don't, don't step over a dollar to pick up a dime, you know, <laughs> you're going to save on your hotel food and beverage, mm -hmm. allocate proper resources to mm -hmm. be able to produce a proper event. Yes. And again, I, it, I really, you know, a shout out to our team because, you know, we didn't check the NFL schedule when that event was um, scheduled. You know, usually you check your community calendar and be like, oh, this event can go off. Right. There's nothing competing. And, and um, but, but to that point, they were able to have an option and, and do what they, they needed to do with the team that was there um, and with the equipment that was there. And I, it really did, um, it went off really fine. Um, we would have liked to done plan A, but um, plan B worked. And again, at the end, um, what the attendees really liked the event and the attendees contributed. Um, and I think that was the ultimate goal. And so I think we all achieved that, even though we, we sweated it out there for a few minutes we before we went live. We did. And it's weird as a planner who's done live events for decades, I've never felt so out of control mm -hmm. of at an event. You know, if there's a problem in the room, you walk across the room and solve it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm used to. So there was a problem in the virtual room. Yeah. I couldn't walk anywhere and solve it, so I just paced, you know. Yeah. But, um, but I was so happy to have such a strong te technology partner in that. So let's, that leads well, me. And I, if ahead. I could finish one thing yeah. on that, because I think it's really important, and I've thought of a lot about it, is that, yes, you're having to put so much more faith and trust in the technology where you, you always have, because we're right there, but to your point, as a planner, you want to be able to resolve 
and be an, a, an active partner in the resolution of it. And at some point in this virtual world, yes, a lot of it's back on us. We take that responsibility very seriously. And But we're, what we're trying to do is build that relationship ahead of time with you so that you can trust that we can come to the solution that we can come to together um, and that we've, we've worked as hard as we can to limit the risk as much as we can. Yep. But um, at some point there's just some things will happen and then we just have to be like, okay, here's the options, this is what's happening and this is, this is where you can go from here. And it's basically the same, but I, I know, I know from the planners, it's really, really hard. And, and we do try to appreciate that and, and build the trust ahead of time. Yeah. And well, and I think, you know, in the virtual space, the hybrid space, it is no different than live in that if you have properly planned allocated responsibilities, communicated those responsibilities, rehearsed, um, then when things happen, mm -hmm. you can quickly solve them. And that's exactly what happened in our instance. Again, nobody thought to check the NFL draft yeah. schedule yeah. Um, versus the community calendar. Yeah. Great point. Um, so it, it just takes a little more prep mm -hmm. and a little more lead in so that you are still in control even though you're not mm -hmm. in control mm -hmm. and I think that's I think that's a key piece so before I jump in I want to talk about the summit technology um, but before I do that I want to talk about just maybe your advice on how organizations can capitalize on the opportunity of virtual events because mm -hmm. you talked about it just for a second there about making sure the content you know either reusing what's in your catalog mm -hmm. or that the content would live on but what about engaging donors or exhibitors mm -hmm. or sponsors? Are there technology solutions that you can bring your clients that allow them the chance to do that? Yes. Oh, definitely. I, I, we actually did a hybrid event, you know, four years ago where we had 300 people in the room and at one point had nearly 10,000 people watching. And that's because the panelists involved were social media influencers and they had engaged their audiences to uh, come and, and listen to this panel. And at the same time, we were able to push it out, push the stream out. It was a live stream event. And so instead of, um, in addition to just going to the web page or the Facebook page, we went, we said, hey, if you give us the rights, we'll go to your pages too. And at, and at some point we had that many eyeballs for this nonprofit on their event and hearing about their mission. And I think that's the power of where we are right now. And so it, it goes way, it blasts the walls off of your room. So t take that and, and really capitalize on it um, around your objectives. So if you're fundraising, script around, I might be talking to someone who is just here because someone invited them on, a, on the periphery and they don't know who we are and what we're doing, but I need to compel them through this script to, to give, to contribute. Um, you know, plan your uh, plan this to be recorded and then take that recording and make it on demand later. You know, put it out to your social media, put it to your YouTube channel, put it to all of your social media, put it on your Facebook page, put it everywhere so people can watch it again and again and, and let, and let your sponsors know that it's there and let people share that. So don't, there's a, 
it's, it's time to release the pressure of having so many eyeballs during the event itself. That's great, and you want to try to capture your audience and get them there, but then realize a lot of people will come and visit it again. They may not watch the entire piece of it, but they may come and hear about it and want to watch um, segments of it. So be aware of that and, and utilize that, capitalize on that. Yeah. So the event begins really before the start time because you want to, when you go live to broadcast, you want to have certain things going because people love to log in early. Let the, let the attendees, they're going to log in early. Make sure you're messaging to them early. And then get to your program, have a great program, start with some energy, you know, make sure your message is in, in there. You know, if it's a conference, really stay, stay on time, honor that um, commitment to the attendees that you're going to keep them for the time that you promised to keep them. And, um, but then end with something strong too, whether it's um, a call to action or a way for them to, again, hey, if your friend wasn't able to attend or your colleague this time, we're going to post this here and everyone's going to get to see it again. And then get the analytics. There's analytics out there. Use those analytics. Have a company like Markey's give you the analytics so you can see who logged in, when they logged in, how long they were logged in, and what did they really respond to because you can track that through these analytics and use that. Put that in your toolbox to engage sponsors and uh, donors and exhibitors for next time and, and take all that information. So, again, you're not just... The event wraps, but there's so much post-event now for organizations. It's really, it's really exciting if they're open to it. Right, right. That's, that's very cool. And I think you, using the power of those analytics, using it not just to plan your next event, but throughout the whole year. Mm -hmm. Maybe your messaging, maybe you learn something mm -hmm. about the audience response to your messaging. So that's a great point as well. You know, something that um, we have our upcoming ESM mm -hmm. Summit. We're partnering with you guys on it. It's December 2nd and 3rd. Um, and we're working with you with your MVP platform, which I, mm -hmm. I want you to talk about that. Um, and I want you to talk about it because I think it's super cool, but I also want you to talk about it because what I hear a lot of people say is, um, you know, oh gosh, I spend all day on Zoom. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to do is, 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 you know, go to a virtual event, or I'm worried that our audience spends all day on Zoom, and so the last thing they'll want to do mm -hmm. is go to a virtual event. And I keep saying, you know, you're right. Like back in April, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if they're going to watch or not, but mm -hmm. we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be very successful. Mm -hmm. um, and they did watch, hundreds and hundreds, mm -hmm. you know, watched. Um, so it did work, but I, but I do hear a lot of people kind of hesitating. So as you talk to us about the MVP platform, which I would like you to, I'd like you to also just maybe talk to us about what you're seeing in terms of are people willing to attend the event mm -hmm. and if they, you know, the virtual events, and if so, what those expectations mm -hmm. are. Sure. So the MVP platform is a conference and meeting platform where, um, and it's, um, can be customized per event. So we work with conferences like the summit and uh, some of this great uh, graphics here are very similar to what we're using on the website for the summit. And so it has a lot of um, visual appeal when you enter the site. It's actually very secure, but very easy for attendees to um, register and then access the site again. And then once they're on the site, they don't really have to leave. Uh, they can attend all of the um, breakouts and keynote sessions, um, exhibitors, uh, sponsors, uh, they can be part of a community just for the summit 
And uh, within that community, they can, can they can interact, and then that's how they can meet people maybe that would be uh, to grow their network um, outside of the event. Um, so it, it's really a great uh, great platform from a technology side. We really like the the technology piece of it. Uh, we bring some of our own um, um, technology plans to it to make it run even better and even smoother. Um, but it has a lot of native functionality. Um, so um, the 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 functionality around chat and polling and Q&A, um, even a whiteboard, but really incorporating presentations, um, all of that is really seamless for presenters. And so Markey's, we've, we've worked very hard this summer um, helping presenters be their, their best selves uh, virtually because if a presenter feels good um, and they know that they're being presented well, then they give a really good presentation and then attendees react to that. So um, what we're seeing now, attendees are, um, yes, so you might, there might be some fatigue out there. But if you've put a lot of thought into your content and you're offering um, some conversations as a part of this, this meeting event that, um, and some content that's engaging, people will come. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll stay longer than they intended because one, if you're staying on time, if you're informing them, if you give them different options, um, like in the ASM Summit, there's tracks. And so I can, I have a little bit of control. Like if I wanna be on the event track, I can be on the event track or the sponsorship track or the marketing track. And so I know that there's some content specific to me and my job, or maybe I wanna jump out and be on the marketing track because I, I would love to learn more about marketing um, as the event specialist in my organization. And so um, I think that's um, what's great about how y'all have set it up and designed it because it, this is a time where so much feels out of our control. And so if you build into the conference an opportunity for attendees to feel like they have some control over their day um, and they're getting value and that value can translate so that they can take it back to their organization immediately and put it in place um, or even through conversations like this or hopefully we're giving people really good information that they can immediately put into practice um, and start having um, strong conversations uh, you know, around the virtual table of their organization about how they can make better virtual events. That's, I mean, I think that's really great advice. So, you know, you talked a lot about the importance of strong content, keeping on a tight schedule. Um, the audience expectation, features like chat mm -hmm. and polling and, and putting the power of the engagement into the audience's mm -hmm. hands, how important do you think that is? Well, I honestly was a, I was a little skeptical. I was never much in, like our company has been using Q&A and chat for our virtual town halls for years now. And I, I, you know, I don't personally don't always participate, like it's great. But then when I've gone and, um, and either attended these conferences that we're producing, or I've seen it um, after the fact, people are really excited and really do engage in it. And you see it um, a lot with, um, you know, just confirming with each other, hey, this is really great, or did you hear that? Hey, I heard this, and they're adding to the conversation. Um, and then what's really important from an organization standpoint as the planner, you wanna moderate that chat in the sense that you're not trying to 
um, you know, moderate as being, you know, the teacher of it, but you're, you're trying to see what are people talking about and how can I add to that? Or maybe I can point them in a direction because if you're moderating it and doing a really good job with that, there's going to be opportunities for you to remind them about the sponsor or exhibitors. Um, there's going to be opportunities to be like, oh, you brought this up. Well, you know what? This breakout is going to talk more about that. So, you know, you still have time to make sure that you make it to that breakout. So the moderator becomes real important and then the attendees appreciate it. They, someone is attending to, to them and you don't get that in a live conference. You really right. don't. It really makes it personal. It does. It does. And you can take it then offline. So if somebody brings something up and then it, with the organization, um, we saw it with ICANN. And then, um, you know, Allison with ICANN could then say, you know what, I'm going to we're going to have someone follow up with you personally through the community page um, and uh, about this further because they are about building a larger network around their organization. So sure. it becomes really, really important. And then taking those polls, taking the chat again, all of that can be printed out. All of that becomes part of the archives. All of that becomes, you know, um, that part of that toolbox that you use going forward. And as you move to hybrid, again, I think people are still going to want to do some virtual um, things that they've been doing, even if they're sitting in a room with, you know, a few hundred people again, which they, they want to participate still virtually, or they want to have that opportunity to step away and still keep up with what's happening. And so I think, you know, you might have people who opt in to be virtual and live. So again, attendees are gonna drive this. We're gonna hear from them and they're gonna say what they wanna do, what they're willing, if they're willing to travel, what they're willing to pay for. I, I think we're hearing attendees wanna get out. Attendees are ready to come back to hotels and to cities and they're ready to interact. Um, but it's gonna take some time, sure. but they want to. But in the meantime, we need the, to continue to give them the technology to interact with each other in the moment. Yeah, I, I really, I, I don't know why I had not thought about it in this way until just right now, but I think you're right. And I think that the technology integration creates the capability of each attendee having their own mm -hmm really personal experience, whether they want to engage mm -hmm. significantly or they want to sit back and watch others engage and learn from others. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, I think that's really fascinating. And, you know, you, you see so much about that now, you know, the, the mm -hmm. personal piece in, in everything, right. Mm -hmm. In retail and, and in everything else. So maybe this is the personal piece in, mm -hmm. you know, a large event space. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that will definitely then be here to stay. I think you're right about that. And I also wonder then if, if they're having that personal connection and that personal, you know, interaction in their own way in the events, is that an opportunity for organizations? You know, you can learn by watching the dialogue and, mm -hmm. and taking the feedback of your attendees, as you suggested, you can, maybe you're, maybe you find a resource for your organization you didn't even know existed, mm -hmm. but because they're engaging and offering a expertise or a comment or whatever, maybe that begins to take you in a new direction. So there, there is a lot of power in that. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, you know, I think at first for me personally, anyway, I sort of, you know, it took me a little while to wrap my head around the idea that, that, that life could go on and maybe mm -hmm. even, you know, learn and, and be better in some ways, mm -hmm. um, through this, through this experience. And, and, you know, it really, it, it took a while, but now I really see what you're what you're suggesting, and I think the power of that connectivity and 
and the personal engagement and, and the power of each attendee to be, be able to bring forth their, their ideas and, and best practices is going to be really is going to be really cool. And so then the question will be, how can a technology partner help you capitalize on that mm -hmm. in a virtual space? And then as we move into live events again, how, how does that really translate over in that hybrid? And, and otherwise, there's going to be a lot of best practices learned, I think. Yes. And, I, and the software and the support is changing and it's ever evolving. And so, um, you know, in talking with a customer now who has an event in May or June or July or, you know, even April, I think there's going to be changes between now and then. And so we're um, at Markey's working very hard to um, stay in tune with what are these changes and doing a lot of training and really um, learning from everything that we're doing to be here because our commitment is, you know, we're not going anywhere and we we're actually trying to grow through this. Like you mentioned, um, you know, at first you were wondering when is it going to be over? But now I think we all have taken on the attitude is that we're going to grow through this and through that growth, um, we're all going to be, I mean, we're, we're all training up. And so we're all, um, our team across the company is going to come out, um, you know, better trained, better working with customers and, you know, and having stronger relationships with new customers and especially with our, our customers that we've known for a while because we've gone through this together. Right. Well, how are we going to grow through this is exactly, exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the spirit in which I sort of try to live my life and run my business. And that's the spirit in which you know, we created the ESM Summit and the idea that if we can all come together, information share, best practice share, learn from each other, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then we're all gonna do better. And so many of the organizations that you work with mm -hmm. and that we work with, you know, they're nonprofits, they're tasked with challenging, they're tasked with solving the challenges that no one else can solve, mm -hmm. right? So, um, or, or no one else will solve. And so everything from hunger to homelessness to cancer to everything under, you know, that we can think of. And so how can we make each of our organizations more successful by working together and in information sharing? Mm -hmm. um, it is exciting that you can go outside of the four mm -hmm. walls of the room that you were in mm -hmm. and, and maybe really be able to, to have some greater reach. So I think the impact of all of this is going to be going to be amazing. Yeah, I really feel at the summit, I think one of our exciting takeaways will be how much the attendees really do interact and what they get out of being together um, around these topics that um, are going to be discussed and brought forward. Um, because it's the networking piece of this right now and the sharing of information, I just think it's really, really important. Like I've maintained some relationships that I normally probably wouldn't have maintained through this because we're not necessarily working together, but we're always checking in with each other. What are you, what are you doing now? What's working for you? What, um, you know, I saw this on your recent post, you know, what does that mean? Like, why did you make that decision? And really trying to understand how people are navigating this, I think is helping us all um, navigate it better together. I, th I think that's right. Well, we'll keep navigating it better together. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to visit with me. You bet. Thank you for including me. I can't wait till December 2nd and 3rd. I know. It'll be great. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you.